This evening's reading is from Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 54, and it's found on page 1058 of the Church Bibles in the chairs in front of you. So Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 54. Then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him. Before the cock crows today... You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Good evening, everyone. Um, A few years ago, when we had uh, William, uh, just like uh, lots of uh, churches do, we we were given food by various uh, people just for those first sort of few weeks just to help us through. And we uh, really, really appreciated it. Um, but at the time, there was no sort of meal train, so you, people couldn't kind of plan what they were going to give. Um, so it basically meant we got a lot of lovely, don't get me wrong, <laughs> lovely bolognese and lasagna. Um, just time and time again, I, I started to mark them, and I didn't, but it was... At least I was thinking like I could. But that one time, somebody brought us a chicken and bacon pie. It's like, oh. After all the bolognese, this was the, the treat, the highlight. And I was really looking forward to it. I was getting quite tired all sort of new stuff. And I thought, this is going to be amazing. Anyway, we'd, we'd just been out. Uh, and we came back in again. And the pie, um, it, it wasn't where we left it. And our, our dog, Marley, was nowhere to be seen. You can probably guess where this is going, can't you? Um, and eventually we found the pie. Well, we found the tray uh, on the floor. Uh, and we found Marley uh, under the table. And he would not look at me. Like, you could just see his kind of, you know, looking up, going, it wasn't me, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Just that, that sort of, that, you know, that dog look, you've seen it before, of they, you know, they know they've done something wrong. And I was so angry. I told him off five times. I was so angry and so disappointed about my pie. Uh, you know, uh, and we probably know that feeling, don't we? We've probably heard stories of pets doing similar things. And uh, we see, you know, that, that idea of, of the look of an owner's their dog's eye, knowing the dog's done something wrong, and we all kind of get it. But I suspect we also probably a little bit 
understand what it feels like to be the dog. You know, to be the one on the end when you've done something wrong and with a look, somebody just says, without saying a word, you're guilty. You know, that feeling of, of just the look, you, you, you feel that sort of, you know, that, that, that heat inside of you, the, the, the wanting to crumble and the ground to open up. Just that shame with that, that one look. Well, in tonight's passage, we've got one of the greatest examples of that. Verse 61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the cock crows today, you'll disown me three times. There was, there has been perhaps no more look that looked straight into the heart of somebody than it did on that night. So as we begin tonight, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story of Luke we've been walking through. Thank you for your words. And we pray this evening, as we look at this perhaps well-known passage, that you would once again be speaking to us. You would once again be helping us to see you more and more. Amen. So over the last few years, we've been uh, walking through Luke's Gospel. uh, And this is getting to the moment uh, that we've been uh, all looking to. Uh, Ever since, uh, way back on the 23rd of May, 2021, we looked at Luke 9, Luke 9, 51. We saw that moment where Jesus uh, sort of resolutely set out for Jerusalem, where Jesus turned his face and was going to Jerusalem. Ever since that point, throughout all the verses we've been looking at in Luke, it's been heading towards these events. And then, of course, a few weeks ago with Stephen, we saw Jesus in, a, in private in the Last Supper. Then we saw him a couple of weeks ago with Don praying earnestly to the Father. And then last week with Phil, uh, as Jesus was arrested. Uh, And so now uh, Jesus is being taken uh, to the the high priest's house. Now we we don't know uh, what the disciples did. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us about anything about what they did. Uh, uh, Mark in in his gospel uh, says that everyone deserted him and fled. Presumably that includes the disciples. Well, uh, except of course Peter. Peter continued at a distance. Not at the front, not making big statements, but just just at the back. Just just keeping in touch. Just wanting to follow to see what's going to happen. And he moves in. And he enters the the courtyard. So it would have been a house and a courtyard in the middle and he enters the courtyard and there's a, a crowd there. Presumably the crowd were the crowd that went to get Jesus. The rabble that, that with the, the officers arresting him. They're this crowd and they, uh, they, they light a fire. And so Peter, keeping his distance, just, just moves in. He wants to keep warm. It would have been cold. But, but also you, you sort of wonder if that sort of flickering firelight 
which doesn't quite sort of give you know like the bright, the bright spots we've got here. It's a, it's a bit more sort of faded, a bit more sort of incognito for him as he's just keeping his distance. And what's he hoping to do? We haven't got a clue. Peter probably doesn't know. But as he's there, a servant girl is there. And you can probably imagine the scene. She, she's looking across the flickering fire and just thinking, that face is familiar. And then she's wondering, kind of, where have I seen the face before? And then it, perhaps it dawns on her saying, he was, he was one of the people with Jesus. And so she almost says in that group, look, uh, this man was with him. Verse 56. This man was with him. Now, of course, Peter, Peter just literally probably, I don't know, an hour or so ago, chapter 22, verse 33, has said to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go to, sorry, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Peter said to Jesus, look, if they come coming with swords and clubs, I'm right there with you. So, of course, when this servant girl just says something to him, when he's not really in any danger, yes, it is a partisan crowd. Yes, it is a crowd who went to get Jesus. But he's done nothing wrong. Surely when, when he says that, he's going to reply, isn't he? Woman, I don't know him. Peter's great uh, private declaration comes crumbling down in public. And then you can imagine sort of Peter sort of I don't know and you know, getting up and sort of scuffling away, going to different up a different part of the courtyard, moving away. Uh, but then just uh, a short while later, verse fifty eight Oh you're also one of him, aren't you? One of them, one of those uh, disciples, uh, one of those followers uh, of Jesus. Man, I am not. I'm not uh, somebody who knows Jesus and I'm not somebody who serves Jesus. That's not me. In just a few short words... Peter has pulled down what he held most dear. In a few short words, in a few short minutes, he's just undone, as it were, all that he stood for. But yet there is still a sense of disconnect, isn't there? Because if he's still there. He's still in the courtyards. But again, you can imagine him moving off somewhere else. So, you know, kind of, but I don't know him and, and sort of moving off. And so, verse 59, about an hour later, someone said, certainly this fellow was with him. He's a Galilean. They sound the same. They're from the same place. They've got to be together. And again, of course, Peter said, look, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Peter, never afraid to say what he's thinking, reveals his heart. Peter, who has said in private that he would go to death with Jesus, but in public would rather 
save face, keep his comfort, not be associated to a criminal. And then we get verse 61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. This is the only gospel where uh, this is mentioned. We don't know at the exact sort of geography. We don't know if at this point Jesus was being moved from one part to the other, if he was in a, a visible room, if it was through a window. We, we don't know, but, but there was a clear line of sight, just as I can see you and you can see me. A clear line of sight uh, between the two. And at that moment, the, the eyes of the, the Lord Creator God caught the sight of Peter. And at that moment, with that look, they both knew what had happened. With that look, it reminded them that they both knew at that moment that Jesus always knew this was going to happen. Twenty-two, verse thirty-four. Jesus answered, "Tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny three times that you know me." And with that, Peter weeps. He weeps. He knows that Jesus really is alone. He knows that he's completely abandoned him. He said, I will not forsake you like the others, has done just that. And it's this look that I just want us to linger upon for a few moments. Because it's a, it's a look which is completely mesmerizing. It's a look which at the same time is saying to Peter, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to abandon me. Whilst at the same time, it's a look which Jesus is also sort of saying, but I did it for you. Uh, Earlier on in, in that chapter 22, Verse 32, Jesus says, I, I've prayed for you, Simon. And then, of course, we know the, the, the words from the Garden of Assembly, take this cup away from me. Jesus knew it was going to happen, but he was still determined to do it. And it's just worth us lingering upon this look. Because, yes, on the one hand, it is a unique setting. Never again will the, the Lord God Almighty incarnate be walking the earth, be facing a trial, uh, and be uh, physically looking at his disciple who abandoned him. Y- yes, in that respect, it is a unique one, one of a time occurrence. But in another respect, it's a scene which is played out day after day after day. Because all of our lives are lived before the eyes of the Lord Jesus. There is no space or moment or time that is not seen. 
And indeed, each and every one of us will one day uh, have a face-to-face with the Lord Jesus. The same eyes that looked at Peter will look at each one of us. And so on that day, how will you feel? On that day when the Lord Jesus, who can look at us and look at us as we really are, how we feel. This passage, there's lots of things you can draw out for it, but in particular, one is just to ask ourselves the question of, are we those who are consistent? Peter said in private, Lord, I'm, I'm going to die for you. But in public, it, it wasn't the same. So is there a, a difference between our, our, our private and our, our public faith? Is there a difference between the things that we say here at church uh, and the, the way that we act on a Monday to Saturday? Is there a difference in our consistency? Now, uh, this isn't me saying, right, well, tomorrow morning at five past nine, uh, I want you to have a, a conversation about Jesus at the water cooler. Uh, this is simply saying, are, are we consistent? So if someone says to you, oh, what did you do at the weekend? How do you reply? Or if uh, the topic of the World Cup comes up and then maybe you might move from the football to some sort of, you know, the geopolitics about the situation in Qatar. And they go, oh, you, you're a, a, you know, a church person, aren't you? What do you say? Or maybe someone says, oh, is it, uh, your, your parents go to church, don't you? Is there a consistency between uh, what we say in private and do in private and what we do in public? But actually also we can flick that the other way around as well and say, actually, uh, is there a consistency between what we might do in public and what we do in private? So uh, slightly different use of the words, but, but maybe in public at church we say things, but then when we're on our own, with our families or, or literally on our own, is there a difference? We say uh, bold declarations in the creed, we, we pray, and then does that impact what we do on our own? Uh, is there a, a, a consistency uh, in our actions? Uh, is there a, uh, our private and our public, are they the same? Peter, they weren't. If the Lord Jesus looked at us, what would he say? Is there consistency for you? The look of Jesus cuts straight to the heart of Peter. And it cuts straight to the heart of us. It cuts through all our externals and gets to who we really are. What would Jesus see? Uh, John Newton, who of course famously wrote Amazing Grace, also wrote other hymns, and he wrote another hymn called, um, uh, well, it's sometimes entitled The Look. And he imagines that that he's stumbling across uh, the the crucifixion scene of Jesus. He imagines that that he finds himself uh, right sort of face to face, if you will, with the Lord Jesus upon the cross. And this is what he writes in the the first verse. He says, "I, I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood, 
who fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood. And never till my dying breath will I forget that look. He seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke. A look that charged me with his death. A a look that almost said, I'm here because of you. A a look that, that says, you're the guilty one. A look that says, a look that, that, that cuts to the heart of us. A look that opens us up. But he continues on in the second verse. And he says, my, my conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw his sins, so my sins, his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. But with a second look, he said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for your ransom paid. I died that you might live. So this evening, as the Lord Jesus looks upon us, he looks upon us and both a look which exposes our guilt, it exposes our, our want, our need. But he also looks upon us as those, he said, I freely came to forgive. So the choice that, that faces us this evening is uh, when we sin, not if, when we sin, what will we do? Uh, will we uh, run away from Jesus and try to hide our shame? Will we say, uh, Lord, I, I, I I'm not me, I'm not guilty. Or or will we try to sort of run away saying the more or the less I think about Jesus, that the smaller my sin and shame feels, so the easier life becomes. Will we run away from Jesus? We run away from places where we might be exposed. We run away from church or small group. The Bible. Because if we don't listen, life is easier. But it doesn't change anything. Or will we run to Jesus? Who says, I've come to give you life. Run to him. And when we do that, when we run to Jesus, we find out something. We find out more and more about what his heart is really like. Uh, In his book, uh, Gentle and Lonely, uh, Dane Ortland writes this. Uh, The cognitive testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fullness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct, is to move towards that sin and suffering and not away from it. That is to say, That when we move toward Jesus, we realise that actually he's the one moving toward us. That that our sin and shame does not repulse him. It opens up his heart toward us. Jesus looks at each one of us 
And yes, it is a look that exposes our sin and shame. It is a look that says we are guilty. It is a look that we need to acknowledge. But there is also a look that says, I forgive and I love. So, move towards Jesus. Run after him. Go to him. Because there is no better place to be.